coming up on this episode of The Wheelhouse. Lessons learned from the pandemic and looking forward to a new and better normal. Specifically, teacher-recorded video and authentically connecting with students. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and this is The Wheelhouse. In this season of our podcast, we'll mix interviews and conversations with in-depth thinking around our three foundational components of our framework, accomplishment-driven leadership, superior instruction, and powerful student care. You know, we believe it's our priority as educators to prove to each student how incredibly distinctive and irreplaceable his or her life is. Together, let's continue to step up to this incredibly important challenge and add additional tools and skills right into our wheelhouse. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. You know, a lot has been said about the difficulty of teaching in the midst of a global pandemic. You know, when will it return to normal? When can we get back to the way things used to be? What's normal? I think a better approach is to develop a newer, better normal by taking some amazing things with us that we've learned along the way. First up, teacher recorded video. You know, a lot of of folks, especially if we if we were forced to teach in an online environment, we're really struggling to figure out what that was. We offered at Students Matter, we offered our client districts a course called Harnessing the Power of Teacher Recorded Video. And that is available uh, in the online academy, but this is not a, a commercial for Students Matter or for the Students Matter Online Academy. There's a lot we've learned about how incredibly powerful teacher recorded video really is for our students. So let's just think for a moment first about how we do it, right? Um, A lot of us have been using Zoom to provide live class sessions, and you can certainly use Zoom to record, but I'm gonna give a little plug for another program called Loom, which you can use for free. There's also a a professional account, but there's a lot uh, more flexibility in what you record and how you record it. Um, And there's some editing features that are in Loom that are not necessarily available in Zoom. So if you record in Zoom, you might have to put it in iMovie. Loom makes it much easier to do all of that. So, uh, but you know, let's think about how incredibly personal, powerful, and incredibly useful teacher recorded video can be, whether we are teaching online or whether we're you know we're going to teach in person because we're in person now or because we hope that we're going to be teaching in person um, yet this school year and certainly in the next. So here are some things we've learned and we've thought about as we think about teacher recorded video. You know all of the all of the experts say that short segments, three to five minutes are really what you want to shoot for. And if your content takes longer than three to five minutes, then lots of folks will still argue that three to five minutes is preferable uh, and having students look at multiple video rather than um, giving them a video that might be 10, 15, or 20 minutes long. So 
even a series of short videos, three to five minutes is a great way to do that. And you can maintain um, student engagement in a three to five minutes segment. The other thing to think about is you want to eliminate those things that, that put in a specific time reference. So if you were making a video because you had a snow day and you were going to be online, don't reference the snow day. Don't necessarily reference the pandemic or even specific dates, because if you do, your video is now dated. And unless you want to uh, use that video only once, or you like to edit, which you know is also great, um, you want to make sure that you, you record it in such a way that someone who watches it tomorrow and someone who watches it six months from now uh, aren't necessarily distracted by some of the specifics that you would put in there that you really don't need to put in there um, because everyone knows when they're watching it, right? So if you put the video in Google Classroom and it happens to be, you know, September 3rd, everybody knows it's September 3rd if they're looking at it on September 3rd. So you don't really have to reference those dates. You also want to name the file very specifically because you're going to find, I hope, that this idea of teacher recorded video is just so incredibly powerful that you're going to want to make a library of teacher recorded videos. And so the naming structure is also really, really important because once you accumulate a library, you want to find that particular content very, very quickly. And so you want to know exactly what you're getting if you grab a particular video segment. And you don't necessarily want to have to look at it over and over again to make sure you've got the right one. So really think about how you want to name the file, uh, name it by course or grade level, by unit, uh, by topic, because your units of instruction may change from, from you know, year to year. So that naming convention is really important. It's going to save you a lot of time as you develop that teacher recorded video library. But the power of teacher recorded video is that it is an additional teaching resource for you and for your students. So let's just think about online for a moment, because many of us were there this year, right? And you had choices that you could make, and you might still be making, about whether or not you're going to send someone to a computer platform, uh, a website, or whether you're going to add that personal element and that personal connection. I have found, and many have found, the students are more likely to complete the video, to complete the the task that we give them that goes with the video when that video is connected to us as teachers, right? Because you're continuing that relationship between the teacher and the student and content by not simply just referring them to a great website or a great platform, but connecting with them asynchronously, perhaps, when we're online, right, using the power of teacher-recorded video. They can see you. They can see you smile. They can see you perhaps in your classroom or in your home environment. You can bring your dog, right, and you can put your dog out there in the video. We have such an incredible opportunity 
to make these videos for our students, whether those are for elementary students or secondary students. We have that ability to make them as personable, as friendly, and as connecting as possible, even if we're going to use that video in an asynchronous lesson online. But let's think about the fact that, you know, pretty soon this global pandemic is going to be over with and we're going to all be returning to in-person instruction. Many of us are already there in in in-person instruction. You might be getting ready for that or you might be thinking about uh, the next school year. But let's just take a minute and think about some of the tremendous benefits of using teacher-recorded video and having this teacher-recorded video library. The first one for me that's an obvious one because I was a world language teacher, and that is subplans. You know, when I was a world language teacher, I knew that the likelihood that I was going to find a sub that was going to come into my classroom who could actually use the language that I was teaching was pretty minimal. And so most of my subplans were, in fact, incredibly busy busy work oriented. I was trying to keep the kids busy in a way that wasn't horrifically a waste of time, but knowing that whoever was going to be in the room, no matter how amazing they were, didn't necessarily have the ability to communicate with students in that target language. Wow, what a what a tremendous tool. If I had a video library of me teaching some of those topics and I could use those and weave those into a subplan that would be doable and workable by someone who didn't necessarily speak my language or who was subbing for me in a content area that um, they weren't necessarily um, able to, to, to teach from. But regardless of who the sub is, really being able to connect with our students and to continue instruction, even when we're gone, when I think is just incredibly powerful. Um, because, you know, face it, even really, really good subs uh, and good substitute teachers, you know, we, we have to write incredibly detailed sub plans if they're going to be able to make that day as meaningful for students as it would be if we were there. We really help them and help our students if we can include a couple of segments of video uh, along the way to, to help students connect to the content and to us. But think about these other opportunities when I'm right there in the classroom. For example, I want to teach students how to add two-digit numbers, right? And I know that there are going to be a group of students that are really going to struggle when I start to provide that explicit instruction. So if I put that on video and I have my students looking at that video, I'm now able to work with those students while they're watching the video. And I've just multiplied myself and put two teachers in the classroom, right? And so that three to five minute segment, you know, or a series of of videos teaching, adding two digit numbers, I can sit right with a group of students and support them while they're watching that video. I can use teacher recorded video while I am uh, implementing small group instruction. So I can have another group taking a a look at a a three to five minute video over here. And I might even be able to use multiple videos depending on my library uh, while I am using a small group instruction in my classroom. I can extend learning 
using video, right? So I know that I have a group of students who are ready to go, and I've got groups of students who aren't. I can embed some of that teacher recorded video to take those students who are ready to go to the next level. I can use a video to help them get there while I continue to work with students that still need some instruction. I can also do that on the on the flip side. I can use that teacher recorded video to remediate or accelerate learning for students who are still struggling to get to the to, to that topic or that outcome or that standard or benchmark that we're trying to get to. The idea here is, is that with teacher-recorded video, kids can watch it over and over again if they need to. Think about the power of being able to send students home to practice on a particular task and let them know that, hey, when you're there, if you need that video, all you got to do is jump into Google Classroom and you know, you'll see a two-minute video of me reminding you and refreshing your memory of how to do what it is that we're asking you to do for practice. And so the ability for students to connect repeatedly with us and with our content, I think is an incredibly powerful and useful tool of teacher recorded video. You know, we can also share and build video resources with other teachers who may teach the same course or the same grade level or different courses or different grade levels, right? So we can, we don't have to build this library all by ourselves. We can share those video resources with other teachers. And so I might be able to access the same grade level or adjacent grade levels. Now think about that for a moment from a, a relationship perspective. I can reconnect kids who've had a teacher in a previous year because I'm going to borrow a video segment from um, the teacher next door who taught that student the, the year before. What a great way to reconnect, right, and make that human connection with uh, teachers and students. I can also use that as I'm introducing teachers to students and students to teachers that they will have uh, either the, you know in, in the coming year or in future years. But let's go back for a moment to this whole idea of the library and the fact that that library could be solo, which, you know, I think gone are the days where we work all by ourselves and we close our doors and we live in our own world. Hopefully you wouldn't undertake such a great and powerful uh, undertaking without doing this with some colleagues. And I want you to think about for just a moment, the power of doing it with colleagues, right? Because, you know, each of us teach a little bit differently. And so you think about first dividing and conquering. So if I want to make 15 videos for a particular unit, because I've broken it up into really small segments and you happen to be working with a teacher who's teaching the same grade level of the same course, divide and conquer. That's only seven or eight videos a person. That is great. We can now share those resources with each other and we've cut down on the amount of work. But on the flip side of that, there's also this idea that each of us teach, no matter how much we try to teach similarly, we're also very different people. But that might work for the benefit of a student, right? Say I've tried every way I know how to connect a student to a particular content, and it just doesn't seem to be working for that student because I haven't found the magic way of it making that explanation clear. But maybe, maybe my partner would. And so I can grab a video of that topic 
out of our video library. And that particular teacher explains that topic in a, in a slightly different way. And bam, the light bulb is on. You know what? Two heads or three heads or four heads are always better than working all by ourselves. And we can do that using teacher recorded video to really help um, divide and conquer and to explain things and to connect with students instructionally in many different ways. So, you know, I really think that if you haven't tried using your own teacher recorded videos in multiple ways online, but more importantly, in multiple ways in person, I urge you to do so. You'll be opening up a world of possibilities you can only imagine for you and for your students. In our next segment, what did we learn about relationships by teaching kids online? Take a listen. We've also learned a lot about the power of relationships and bringing an added level of humanity to our schools and classrooms. Across the country, districts have done an absolutely amazing job with food distribution, solving internet connectivity issues, and a host of other issues associated with supporting families during this crisis. I applaud those efforts. But, you know, I'd like to spend a few minutes with you talking about what we've learned about relationships and the power of our humanity to educate our children. One of the things that I think we've learned is that our relationships with children might not have been as authentic as we'd thought. And now let's think about that for a moment. You know, when we're in person and we have students in our classrooms, you know, we, I think, sometimes confuse our authority with relationships. You know, we can get kids to do assignments. We can keep them in after class or hold them during recess. Or we got a host of things that we can do to very kindly and very gently coerce students into doing what it is that we want them to do. I'm going to argue that that's authority and, and not relationships, because what we've seen across the country with, with teachers who are teaching in online environments is that the authority is gone. Kids can hit the leave button in a Zoom connection, or they can engage and, and join that Zoom connection to begin with, or they don't log in to our Google Classrooms or whatever our learning management system is. And so we've been forced to deal with all alone without the authority. How do we get kids to connect with us and with their learning? And I think one of the things that we've learned, if we're honest enough to admit it to, at least to ourselves, is that we didn't necessarily have the relationship with students that comes with getting them to use that extraneous, that extra effort that isn't necessarily associated with responding to authority that we've, we, when we are, when we are left alone with nothing but our relationships with children, I think we've learned that they've got to go deeper and they've got to be more authentic. And so moving forward, you know, let's think about how we focus more on those authentic relationships and a whole lot less on our authority. And let's bring these students with us and let's not 
just drag them along. You know, I think the second thing that we've learned about relationships is that it takes a tremendous amount of trust for children to allow us into their homes you know, or whatever environment they happen to be in for live synchronous sessions, and that we need to honor that trust and hold true to that trust. You know, in, in many cases, um, you know, students are welcoming welcoming us into a place that is very different than what we might expect. You know, and I know that there are some students that have, you know, that you know, obviously are are not living in in a home and are they might be in a shelter, they might be with grandparents, they might be, you know, in lots of different places other than home with mom or dad or mom and dad. And that there that element of trust I think is really, really important. That it takes a lot of trust for for those students to turn on that Zoom link and share with us, their teachers, and with their their fellow students, um, whatever it is that they call home for the moment. And we have to really honor that trust. And I think what what I take away from that is that we got to make sure that we don't lose that element of trust moving forward. You know, and then the third thing that I think that we've learned is that there's tremendous power in connecting with families and partnering with them to support their children. So we have you know, I think sometimes that happens more naturally at the earlier grades than at, at the secondary level. But, you know, I've talked to many, many teachers, you know, all over the country that have, have noted that they just have this incredibly solid, authentic relationship with families that they've never had before because this pandemic and and being whether we're in person or or you know online or any combination of the two it's really forced us to think about those relationships and to create those relationships and to partner with families around supporting their children and it you know makes me think about then what happens when we return to whatever normal is? And of course, I'm advocating that we don't return to the normal before the pandemic. You know, one of the things that I think uh, we really need to think about, and that's this idea of parent-teacher conferences. I have long thought they were archaic, and I think we've proven the fact during this pandemic that those parent-teacher conference um, events are absolutely uh, obsolete and a thing of the past. We know how we're, we've learned how to build authentic relationships with families, sometimes before their children ever even stepped foot into our classrooms. And there are a host of ways that we can reach out to families and families can reach out and connect to us in classrooms. And we've learned that these relationships need to be authentic, caring, and responsive. And so I argue, why would we wait nine weeks into the school year to meet parents? Why wouldn't we reach out to families 
of students before they ever walked into our classroom on day one? And why wouldn't we continue to nurture and foster that relationship day in and day out? And worse yet, why would we wait for a problem to happen and to occur before we even initiate contact with home? So, you know, I think those three lessons learned is just scratching the surface of what we've learned about the power of relationships. And, you know, what we've learned empowers us to understand that what we at Students Matter call powerful student care enables us to prove to each student that his or her life is distinctive and irreplaceable. You know, in future episodes of The Wheelhouse, we're going to explore powerful student care in greater detail. But for now, let's continue to take stock of all that we've learned about the power of our humanity. And let's not lose sight of that when we build our new normal. And that wraps up another episode of The Wheelhouse. If you have something you'd like to share or a teaching or leadership problem you'd like to see us address, drop us a line at onlineacademy at ourstudentsmatter.org and we'll add that to our lineup. Together, our goal is to continuously expand our own leadership and instructional expertise and to prove to each student that his or her life is of immense and irreplaceable value. This is hard work but it is the noblest of all professions. Until next time, remember, we can do this.